0: Brick and Mortar Reporter episode 62, where we talk about how to deal with haters. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now here's your host, Christy Hosler. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and as always, today I am your host. And I've got some exciting things to talk to you about today. Um, A couple of things I wanted to update you on the podcast with, and we are coming up on the end of October. Today is actually October 30th. I guess it's all Hallow's Eve, uh, the eve of Halloween, and so tomorrow's Halloween, the end of October, and so another month has gone by. Now, I wanted to talk to you and uh, give you some updates on, on some things that's going that are going on with my business, but before I did that, I want to let you know that in the month of October, for our uh, listening and the people that have joined our podcast, we have actually more than doubled the amount of people that listened in September. So uh, that's a huge, huge accomplishment. And I thank all of you for listening and for following along. Um, this is the month that I did start kind of sharing a little bit about my story and catching you up on what I'm doing and where I am and uh, my whole quest to uh, quit my job, move to Key West, and get control of my life on my terms. And so uh, that's what the journey that we're following right now, interspersed with some journeys of other entrepreneurs that are doing local business and doing it well and have lots to share from their journeys. So for those of you that are listening, thank you. For those of you that continue to listen every single day, I appreciate you following us. Um, One way to make sure that you never miss an episode, no matter what podcast player you're listening to the podcast on, if you'll simply, where you find my podcast, you'll go in and click the subscribe button that means every single time there's a new episode it will just get automatically downloaded depending on your settings when you're on wi-fi and you'll never have to go in and look for an episode you'll never miss an episode if you get it subscribe to or you subscribe to it and you get an episode you don't want to listen to just delete it off your playlist and go on but subscribing will definitely also help more people find the brick and mortar reporter podcast so wanted to thank you for that and uh couple things. I had a night at Mallory Square last night that was, um, informational, educational, and a little bit maddening, I'll tell you, um, to be honest. And, um, I, a couple of things I did. I started, um, Tracking the number of samples I was giving, the number of people who got samples that converted to a sale, and then the total number of sales. Well, unfortunately, it was a really slow night um, at Mallory Square last night. It was Wednesday night, and, you know, sometimes when you're in a vacation town... It really doesn't matter the night of the week um, because, you know, in fact, a lot of the people down at Mallory Square didn't even know it was Wednesday night. I think I said something about you made it through hump day to a guy. And he's like, what? I did what? You know, and I'm like, oh, gosh, why did I even go there? But so, you know, it's when you're on vacation, you don't really pay a lot of attention to uh, the day of the week and the time of the day. You kind of just just live however you want to live during those days. So. I started tracking and what my numbers were for last night and one of the things about it and and I've learned this from several jobs I've been on we have a lot of times uh, gut feelings and we have we think oh well if I give out samples I'll get more sales or you 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 know you kind of make these assumptions based on some preconceived notions that you have in your head and so if you start actually collecting the data and knowing what those numbers are, that data can either validate or invalidate that assumption. And so, um, I also wanted to see what the correlation was between me giving out lots of sample, you know, do, do more samples equal more sales. <sighs> You know, it may or may not. It depends on the day, depends on the crowd. So I wanted to start keeping track of that sort of thing. Um, one of the things I have not been able to do this week during the week, but I hope to do during the weekend, is um, to plant a person next to my so that they can be in clear view of the um one of the the steady vendors down there the the guy that's actually caused me to be frustrated last night and i want them to just take a 30 minute block of time and track how many customers that guy is seeing during that 30 minutes i can then extrapolate on that and figure out um what you know, I don't want to say what the standard is because it's not that I hold him up as the standard because when I have slow nights, he has slow nights too. But I just kind of want to know for comparison's sake what the realm of possibility is. And so that data... Is going to be critical and the numbers don't lie. And so I really want to find out those pieces of information so that I'll know whether I'm improving. I mean, that's one reason to keep up with data. Um, and I'll also know how, better how to make tweaks. You know, sometimes you you go from gut feeling to gut feeling and you think this and you think that. But then when you look at the data, you can sometimes find something that reveals a completely different trend and that is one of those things that I really want to get a handle on and a grip on. So I have a very manual process of keeping up with my um, <laughs> my uh, sales and my uh, information down there. I have an iPad with me already just because I do take credit cards but I on that I just use the notepad and I just have a column for samples I have a column for sample conversions, which are people that I have gotten, given a sample to and they actually turned out to buy. And then I just have a total column for my overall sales. And so uh, last night I gave out 37 samples, um, and I'll tell you what I did a little differently with that as well, but I gave out 37 samples, I had one sale from a sample conversion, And at the same time, I only had four total sales last night. Four total sales at five dollars was twenty dollars. Here's the other thing is it cost me twenty dollars to be down there. I have to pay twenty dollars every single night. So last night was a complete wash as far as my I mean actually I lost money because I had to drive to Key West. I had to use some of my product and some of my liquid nitrogen. So yeah, overall it was a uh, negative night as far as uh, actual dollars and revenue goes. So, um, you know, I, I, chalk that up to a learning experience and at the same time this is good because it's it's challenging me it's giving me the opportunity to really analyze and try I want to figure this thing out this is going to drive me crazy until I can figure it out and so um, I'm going to keep keep reinventing but here's the thing I I have titled this uh, podcast haters gonna hate because It's exactly what happens, and I'm going to tell you my story about that. It's something that happened at the very end of the night uh, before I get through this podcast, but a couple of things um, that I wanted to share with you, and these are things that you know, you find out as you try and you experiment you do things. And so the first thing yesterday that I realized that will actually um, end up saving me some money and some cost, which is always, you know, on your radar if you're an entrepreneur trying to fund and bootstrap your own business. And so I have the... Um, 10, 2 10 liter doers that I go and get my liquid nitrogen filled in and I get it at the air gas company in Key West. And so I have to call ahead of time they can only I can only get a tank refilled whenever the driver's there because he's the only one I guess authorized or certified to fill the tank. And so I have to call and make sure he's there, find out what his schedule is and try to coordinate that. So that's just kind of another pain because I can't just know that every single time I go into Key West, I can just stop by there ahead of time. I have to call and number one, make sure they have it, make sure they have someone there that can fill it. And it all has to be done before they close at 430 in the afternoon. So that's the challenge with that. But so the other thing that is interesting is even though they're dispensing the uh, liquid nitrogen from one tank to another, they don't have any sort of gauge or meter that tells them how many liters of liquid nitrogen they've dispensed. So I can't just go in and top off my container. Um, if, if Essentially, if I have a 10-liter doer, they're going to charge me for 10 liters, no matter how much is already left in the tank. So it's really critical that I make sure I'm making the most of those fill-ups. And so what if you've never seen a doer, they have different ones. But the bigger ones, the, the 10-liter one I have, it probably weighs a little bit more than a heavily... A full full propane tank, like for your gas grill, whenever it's completely full, I think it weighs about thirty-five or thirty-seven pounds. It weighs about twenty-six or twenty-seven when it's empty, so um, it you know it it's a heavy thing. But I can't you just can't tell how much you have left in the tank. And when you open up my tank, I have to dip it out using a cryo dipper, which is um, like a long handled. Uh, circular, almost like a cylinder with a long handle that I can dip it out and get uh, get the liquid nitrogen out of the Dewar with. But over the lid and where the the uh, mouth of the doer comes out, there's like a a metal sleeve on the inside of it, and it sort of guides the uh, dipper down as it goes into the the tank. And because of that, it you would think that you can't pour anything from this because, you know, if it's got like a a six inch sleeve going lining the inside of that uh, mouth of that doer it, you can't really just expect to tip it over and go, uh, you know, dump it from one tank to another or anything like that. So yesterday before I was leaving, I knew I needed to get some liquid nitrogen. And so I had one tank that was virtually empty. I'd gotten the night before to the point where I was dipping and nothing was coming out. So when that happens, I, um, whenever I'm at home or I have more time, I then turn the tank on its side and I start dipping to try to get every last drop out. And so I dip, use the dipper and do scoop after scoop from one to another. When I was doing this, some of it, splashed out and got on my foot. Well, that was no big deal. People think, oh, did you get burned? No, it doesn't. You you have a, there. it doesn't do that um, generally unless you really let something sit on you for a while with the liquid nitrogen. So it was fine. But when it did that, I realized, wait a minute. If it can come out the lid like that, I can actually pour this from one to another. Now talk about feeling like an idiot, you know, because who would... <sighs> This is the obvious thing that was completely lost on me just because I was looking at the structure of the thing instead of actually trying it. So when I did when I had it splash out and I thought, wait a minute, it can still liquid nitrogen can still escape this uh, container through the mouth of it when it's turned on its side, I can actually pour it from one container to another. So I ended up pouring off, I would say, nearly two liters of liquid nitrogen. And what it did, it allowed me to completely top off the second tank that I have, which I always keep as a backup. Um, It allowed me to completely top that off, and then there was barely anything left in the tank that I was going to need to uh, go ahead and get refilled. So because of that, if you think about it, every single time, if I'm leaving one, two, three liters in the bottom of that tank when I go to get it filled, that means I could be paying, I mean, 540 a liter is what it is right now. So I could be leaving on the table anywhere from five to $15 just because I feel like I can't get it, I couldn't get it out of the door. But I still needed to get more liquid nitrogen. So by doing that, um, granted that helps my cost and helps my expenses and helps get... Uh, the liquid nitrogen stretched a little further, it also cuts down on my cost and just makes me a little more um, efficient with the costs and and overruns and that sort of thing that I'm running into with with the liquid nitrogen. So that was a good thing. So I learned that, and you know it's weird because you get these... moments when you know and and to me I didn't expect that to happen Um, I wasn't looking for that to happen but at the same time someone else if I had someone else in my business they might have tried a week ago to pour one tank to another and already realized this but when you're doing it on your own you don't have anyone else to bounce ideas off of no one else is intrinsically involved in your processes enough to analyze or experiment or try different things and so you only know what you only know. So that was my lesson of the day. Uh, the GE moment happened out uh, in my yard. And so um, it was a, made me feel really stupid <laughs> by the time it was all said and done. But I was glad I learned the lesson. Now, one thing that happened down at Mallory Square is I, you know, I told you I've been trying to target my samples, and be a little bit, um, not trying to be stingy with it, but I'm just trying to, if people express an interest, or express a curiosity, they want to try something, I will make a sample order, and try, and give them a try. Uh, And so I did this, and you know, it's funny, because sometimes you do this all night long, you make samples, you make samples, you make samples, and you get very few sales out of it, like last night, you know, it's just frustrating, but The interesting thing is a guy that I'm, you know, friends with on a very, uh, you know, kind of at work friend that I see when I go down to Mallory Square every night. And he's a very good-natured guy, but he's uh, also one of those that he'll kind of heckle you a little bit, just in a good, very good-natured and playful way. And uh, you know, so we talk, and and uh, he seems to do very well for himself. He's an artist, and he um, he just he's just one of those guys that you probably think um, maybe. He's smarter than he lets on sometimes. And I'm not saying he comes across as, as uh, not intelligent or anything like that. But, you know, if you looked at him and he's got long hair tied back in a ponytail and he wears a bandana every single night, clean as a pin. And then the more you find out about him, the more you're like, you know, maybe maybe he does make some sense. He He's uh, he's just, you know, one of the offbeat artists. I've got a boat coming by, I think, for uh, you will hear that in just a second. An Early morning boat. Uh, going now I guess to get some lobster, probably. Yep, it's the lobster boat. I Guess it's time to pull the pots and check them and see what today's catch is. So, anyway, um, so this guy, and he'll talk to me a lot. And he'll, you know, he'll he'll give me feedback and, and in a good natured way. He's not critical at all. But uh, I can I can tell by the way he jokes around with me that he enjoys talking to me. So I don't mean to tank anything that I'm saying about him, but he finally came up to me last night, and here's what was happening. I was giving away samples, and I have these little, I told you, they're like three-quarter ounce cups that are like the equivalent of a coffee creamer that you would get, the liquid coffee creamer, but without the foil tab on top of it, right? So, whenever I give those cups, they fit, most of the time, two to three pieces of caramel corn in them. Now, this is a small thing, Right, two to three pieces is not a full serving or anything like that. However, what he kept seeing and the way he positions his booth, he's down from me in the traffic flow about four to five booths. And so he would see people coming down his way after visiting my booth with a sample. And they would be saying Oh wow, this is really good. I cannot believe I've never tried this before. You know, they would be making comments at the same time they're continuing to eat their sample as they go through his booth and walk right by there. And he's like, he came over to me and he said, All right, you're going to make a change. You're going to, from now on, from this moment on, you are only going to give people one piece of caramel corn to try. You want to, they want a sample, give them a sample, give them one piece to try. And so I said, you know, I, someone else, the, the security guard had actually told me that, the peer manager had told me that. They're like, you know, just give them one piece, just give them one piece just to try. If they want to try it, give them one try. But, um, and the the thing is, I felt badly because the container, I got the smallest container I could find, but I still felt like it was very empty whenever I gave it to them with one piece so it made me feel like I was being cheap with them when in actuality you know I'm the one giving them something out of my pocket you know it's it's my cost that is uh, going to fund those samples and so um I'm not being cheap because I'm giving them something for free I'm giving them a taste of something and his point was I see them going back two and three times to that sample and he said if they want a taste give them a taste but if they want to go back, they need to buy. It's a completely valid point. And I guess out of my own insecurity and my own, I don't want to say, it's not even my own generous spirit. I guess I just did not want to be perceived as being cheap or stingy or, you know, anything like that, giving somebody a little cup with only one piece of popcorn in it. Because honestly, if I mean, I like popcorn, and if I asked somebody, you know, if somebody had popcorn, and I said, hey, can I have a bite of that? If they gave me one kernel, I would be like, are you serious? That's not even enough to taste it. But the whole thing is, it's a free sample. They can get an idea of what it is, and if they want more, they can come back. Now, ultimately, that strategy will probably do a couple of things for me. It will, number one, I mean, if you think about the night that I gave away 200 samples, and if the average number of kernels of caramel corn was two to three in every single sample I gave away, that means I gave away, what, six, 400 to 600, you know, pieces of caramel corn. And at the same time, I'm also having to make that, mu- you know, use that much more liquid nitrogen to make three times, two to three times the amount. So I cut my costs by doing that. At the same time, I'm giving someone a tease. Giving someone a taste. I'm giving someone something to say, this is what it is. If it's really good and you like it and you want more, now you have to come up with the order. You have to buy it. You have to place the order. And so ultimately, I might get more sales that way from someone who, uh, you know, gets gets it in their mouth and they can't, they just can't leave it alone and they got to come back and get more. So last night, did I see an immediate result from it? No, I didn't because it was a slow night for me anyway. And so, um, you know, with that being said, uh, I think ultimately it's a change that I needed someone to give me permission to do that and to tell me that it was okay because I felt badly just making that decision on my own. Now, again, that is a weakness on my part. I have to watch and guard my living and my money uh, more than anyone, because no one else is going to do it for me. So with that being said, it was funny because uh, several times whenever he would have no one at his booth, he would, he would come walking, and he's one that will cut up all night long, but he would come walking over there, and he'd be like, yo, uh, what's your favorite number? Your favorite number's one, your favorite number's one, you know, and it was, he just kept saying one, and he finally, he said, if I see anybody going back to that sample cup for the second piece, he said, I'm coming after you, and that was good, and I told him, I said, I appreciate you Saying that because it gives me permission to relieve myself of the guilt for doing that, because I was feeling guilty and I was feeling badly for doing that, so lesson learned, but I think that's you know it's it's a larger thing we so many times we wait for people to give us permission to do things, and it's things that many times our gut already knows that we should be doing, but for whatever reason it. We just can't let ourselves do it on our own. But if that external pressure comes and says you have to do this, then yes, you you go ahead and conform and you actually feel relieved that somebody else made that decision for you. So not, that's not a great, uh, I'm not saying that because I think that's a great thing that I felt guilty about that. I think it's a complete flaw on my behalf. And But at the same time, the more of these things I go ahead and deal with now, the the more savvy and the more strategic I will become. And so that's what this is all about, the growth process. But I was going to tell you, I'm going to close the podcast with this story. Um, I told you that I've kind of been targeted by a guy that's been down at the pier for 26 years and he's the uh, chairman or whatever you call the president of the board or whatever it is. And um, the guy drinks too much and is not anyone that I would choose to be around um, for business, professional, or personal advice for anything. And I'm one of those people that I will go down to the pier and I I can can be as friendly as I need to be to people that want to be friendly. Or if you don't want to play in a friendly realm, I'll just kind of leave you alone because I don't really have time for that. So, um, at the end of the night, I was talking to the peer manager and she was telling me about some of the issues she had had at night, that night um, and the, what was going on. And the guy was getting ready to leave and he walked up to my booth and he said, you know, I didn't see one single order get placed over here tonight. And I just said, oh, you have no idea what you missed. You know, I, I didn't, what, what am I going to say? And he's like, sure did see a lot of sampling going on, but I didn't see any orders going on. And he said, I guess you can't afford to keep doing that and keep coming down here and just giving away product. And I'm just going to tell you, it was all I could do not to stoop down to his level and to make an unprofessional comment, and to really get back at him. Now, number one, I'm one of those people, you, you know, Mama always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But secondly, I do not understand what this man's obsession with me is. I don't understand why he's worried about how much money I'm making. I don't understand. I mean, the only thing I can come up with is that for some reason, He's intimidated by me. Maybe it's because I refuse to quit. I keep reinventing and retrying different things and I keep doing whatever. I'm not quitting he wants me to quit. He wants me to quit so bad. And I think for so long, you know, when there was a two week period when I was not able to be there and he had come back from being on vacation for a month and I wasn't there because my cart was being rebuilt. I think in his mind, the battle was over and it was like, oh good, she's already gone and given up. And then I showed back up. Not only did I show back up, but I had made a bigger investment in myself down there. So it's, you know, I don't know, I don't know why God has put this man in my life. Um, I don't know what the outcome will be. I will tell you this. I've already prepared um, myself to just tell him very frankly that I, I don't have time for negative stuff and I don't do, don't do that. I mean, there's no, there's no sense in uh, vendors down there heckling each other. And there's no sense in, saying anything like that. I would never say that to somebody. I mean, if somebody had a bad night, I I, I would never want to punch them when they're down. And I guess that's probably just the difference in me and him. Um, and he wants to see me fail. He wants to see me give up. He wants to see me not do well. And every time I do well, or every time I have more of a buzz and more of a Uh, you know, excitement or more of a crowd at my booth than he does, then he wants to complain about my sample cups flying all over the pier or my cart is sitting a little too forward in my booth or I don't have my license displayed or something like that. So it's like pick apart those people. I'm not one of those people. I am not the type of person who will blame everyone else for my failure. And so one of the things that, um, you know, it makes me more determined than ever to figure this out and make it work. I need to do that from my own you know, benefit to, cause to, to live my life the way I want to. But at the same time, it is just, it pours fuel on my fire for somebody to be that way to me. And he wants me to fail because he feels like um, that what I'm doing down there is not, he feel he felt like in order to be successful at the pure long term, you have to do something that is uniquely, uh, that is like a Key West uh And and, uh, something Key West is famous for, I don't even know how to put that into words, but whether it's key lime pie or conch fritters or something with iguanas, I mean, I don't know what all the Key West is famous for other than, you know, those few food items, you know, and everyone, like I said, everyone can't do those, but it just um, really chaps me in a very motivating kind of way for him to make those comments to me because I am like, you have no idea what you have tangled with because i will not give up i will keep on i will keep pushing through i'll figure out better ways to market it i'll figure out different products to add along the line and i will do exactly what i need to do in order to make it work and to be successful let's face it anyone can go down there during the heyday of the busy season and slap any product up and just put up a booth and by default make money because there's a certain amount of tourists that will try anything, at the same time, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for a long-term, I want to provide a good product, I want to have a good reputation, I want to have a product and a brand that is uniquely associated with Key West in a way that other things are, but you can't get it anywhere else. Like, I don't want there to be any uh person that comes to my booth to be like, oh, yeah, I already had that at whatever, you know, so with the cryopop, it's something people haven't seen before, and I love that, and uh, that will eventually make it unique, so I'm going to continue to forge ahead for whatever you're doing in your life. People are going to hate. It is easier for people to drag you down to their level than it is for you to take them up to your level, and so I, you know, it's, I don't even know if I said that right. It's easier for people to drag you down to their level, which his level is stupid, um, than it is for me to drag him up to a place of positivity and a place of support and a place of putting out good vibes and good karma, you know, I, I believe in that. I believe you get back what you put out and that's what I'm wanting to do. So I'm going to continue to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to put a smile on my face and go down and continue to work my product, work my processes, collect my data, look at my data, analyze my data, take feedback from anyone that'll give it to me and I'm going to figure it out and make it work. So with that being said, whatever the haters are in your life, whether it's the people at work you're having a problem with, it might be someone in your family that is pushing against what you're doing. You know what? Let that be the fuel that motivates you to success because in some ways there will be so much satisfaction when you finally succeed. And you know what? When I have a good night and my uh, apron is bulging with dollars that I have made in a single night, that guy can say, anything to me and it won't hurt me the only reason it bothered me last night is because i already knew i had a bad night and so um you know i'm learning i'm doing what i need to do but let it motivate you you know it makes me want to create an even bigger buzz and have longer lines and have people around um to show him that i'm not going anywhere and so um, you get a little bit of the spite factor in there you get a little bit of the never say die going on and before you know it uh, you can accomplish anything you want to accomplish so um thank you for going on this journey with me thank you for listening to me uh rant and rehash uh, all that i'm doing with my business and uh, i will continue to give you updates Continue to tell you my mistakes I mean it's it's not easy to face my mistakes or even my uh little bit slow mental moments whenever I didn't realize you could pour one door to another simple things you know and so I'm thankful every day for the lessons I learn and I would just encourage you as I leave in and close this podcast and leave you for the rest of the day to go about your day don't let the haters get you down It will happen. It is human nature for people to want to bring you down if they feel like you're above them. Don't let that happen. Use it as a fuel to motivate you to bigger and better success. I'll catch you guys tomorrow. Have a fantastic day. And don't forget, support local businesses anytime you have the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.